As a teenager, you were controlled and confined by what others demanded and expected of you. In your 20s, you were consumed by what others thought of you. In your 30s, you realized you were still conflicted by what you truly thought of yourself. But now, in your 40s and beyond, it's finally time to live fearlessly, fabulously, and fully you. Let's go. Hey sis, welcome to In the Middle with Myra, and I'm your host, Myra Rollins. So why don't you just meet me in the middle, the middle? <laughs> Can I like? Oh, do I have to say I don't own the rights to this music? Does that really work? So I don't own the rights to that music. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome back to In the Middle with Myra, and I, of course, am your host, your homegirl, your friend, Myra Rollins, and um, just hope you are having an amazing week. And if you're not, Make it that way. We can't control everything, but I love to say we need to control the controllables. What in your life can you control? No, you can't control necessarily that you have a sickness, but you know what? You can control where you go today. And if you enjoy going for walks, then you go for a walk. If you enjoy um, a certain type of food, then go get that food. If you enjoy a certain program, talking to a certain person, be intentional today about sprinkling your life with little rays of joy. For me, my little ray of joy that I did this morning was I went for a walk. I love walking outside. Now, I run half marathons and it is a struggle, but I love to train. But I never train on a treadmill because I can run on a treadmill for like 5.3 seconds. And I'm just panting and just can't breathe. But as soon as I get outside in the fresh air, I'm looking at the birds and looking at the people in the cars, I can just go much, much, much further. So that was my little sprinkle of joy. And then also, I love drinking coffee in the morning. I used to not be a coffee drinker. Uh, and I drink really, really weak coffee. But I just like to sip on it and think. And just before my house wakes up, I just sip on my coffee. Um, and then also, I just love before the house stirs just to sit and either listen to some gospel music or listen to one of my little meditation apps and just to just be and breathe before the house wakes up. So that's my question to you. Where will you choose to be intentional today about bringing your own joy? So um, I'm good. I want to know, why don't you like post that on my page and let me know what you did say today to be intentional. But uh, moving on to the content, we are talking fertility today. Um, and I'm talking all things fertility. Um, we are talking to Dr. Lisa King. And y'all, she is so smart. <laughs> I feel like, what's that movie, The Help? You is kind. You is smart. You is important. Y'all, she is um, a fertility and endocrinology specialist. and She helps make babies, like bring life into this world. And she was just like spewing out just facts and knowledge and clarity. And I can't wait for um, you to listen. And you know, I try to keep everything to about 25 minutes, but y'all, she has so much information. I just could not condense it. So 
you just going to have to listen and be attentive and go drink some of that coffee I was talking about if you need to stay awake and alert. But I am so glad to introduce to you Dr. Lisa King, and she is going to um, lead off with the basic definition of infertility and fertility. And so um, she's going to jump right into the basic grounding fundamental definition of what we're talking about when it comes to infertility. Mm-hmm. So what is the definition of fertility and infertility? Just to lead us in so we can all be on the same page. Okay. Infertility is the inability to conceive um, or inability to give birth, so to speak, because there's a difference between conceiving and giving birth. Mm -hmm. Infertility for women under the age of 35 is the inability to conceive after actively trying, which means regular intercourse um, throughout the month, and they do not conceive after one year. In women over 35, that timeline is shortened to six months. Hmm. So what is different in a woman under 35 versus over 35 that changes on that time frame? Basically, it's the quality of the eggs. And to go back, when we are born, we have about 400,000 eggs in our ovary that are 400,000. But mind you, once we um, start puberty, and yes, we only release one egg a month, Prior to that one egg being chosen, there are a whole bunch, basically, of immature eggs saying, ooh, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. But only, kind of it's Darwin's theory about um, the dominant survive, but only one egg, usually, or sometimes two in the case of um, fraternal twins, is actually the one that makes it and is released or is ovulated. And so all those others that were trying, they die. So as we age, we are losing um, eggs all the time. Mm-hmm. And, yes, and so that's a normal right. process, but with infertility. Go it's ahead. a normal process. And that's why when we're menopausal, we have no more eggs left. Because just by the natural numbers between birth and by the time puberty starts, we're down to 100,000 eggs. They have just been lost. We don't know why. I mean, it's just the whole natural maturation process. Mm-hmm. Like my mouth is on the floor. That just sounds like a whole, whole bunch of eggs. But with infertility, we either lose too many eggs or they're not viable or they're not strong eggs. What, what is the I difference? I mean, there's a whole bunch of reasons for infertility. But if we're looking at female infertility. We, we kind of look at what we call tubal factors. So are the tubes mm-hmm. open? You know, has there been any damage to the tubes? We look at ovulatory factors, which is where we get into. Is the woman ovulating each month? And then we also look at the quality of the eggs because some women's eggs age quicker than others. And mm-hmm. this, as our eggs age, I often use the example of an egg that's been left in the refrigerator for a long time. You know how when you go to crack that egg, underneath the heart cell, there's this thin layer? Mm-hmm. Well, our eggs have a layer on the, on the outside called the zona or zona pellucida. And with age, that hardens. 
So it sometimes makes it more difficult for the sperm to fertilize that egg. Hmm. That. But then just in general, egg quality we know with age declines. Um, and 35 is not kind of the magic number, but generally speaking, over the age of 35, it's more difficult to conceive as compared to under the age of 35. So is that entering the time that this um, phrase I hate called geriatric pregnancy, is that the real term in 35, the number? No, we we don't call it geriatric. Good. (laughs) Advanced maternal age. Advanced maternal age. And 35 is that number? Yes. Once you're 35, you are considered advanced maternal age. And so I also often hear the term high risk. Is that the same thing or kind of different? High risk. You can be high risk and and be young. High Mm -hmm. risk defines factors, um, usually health factors. For instance, if somebody has high blood pressure or diabetes, even if you're 20, that makes you high risk. What we do know is that women over the age of 35, the placenta can age quicker. And so with that, Um, They're followed more closely because if the placenta is aging, you have increased risk of intrauterine fetal death. But also older women just even forget pregnancy. The older you are, the higher your risk becomes for chronic medical problems, such as high blood pressure, diabetes, kidney disease. So that's why in general, advanced paternal age is considered a high-risk pregnancy because of all the things that can go wrong, but you can have a high-risk pregnancy and be young. Mm-hmm. Got it. I, that's a distinct difference. So I, that was a mm-hmm. good explanation. Thank you. And so you mentioned that there are all of these factors and reasons that causes um, infertility. Are there things and watchouts that we should be looking at at 15 and 16 and 25 that will... Um, improve or assist our fertility at 35 because oftentimes we don't know that we have this problem until we start trying to conceive and it seems almost too late right I think one of the biggest things in general is overall good health now mind you you could be a yoga guru who eats only vegan and still have infertility so it's not to say that doing one thing necessarily guarantees another However, if you don't have high blood pressure or diabetes or other chronic medical conditions, obviously that's, um, that's favorable. Sometimes you can't avoid it, but especially in our society today with the rates of obesity, you know, those, that's something that we can work on. Mm-hmm. Talked about tubal factor, you know, limiting the number of sexual partners, limiting the number of sexual transmitted diseases, which you want to do regardless of um, whether or not you're trying to get pregnant, because obviously um, undiagnosed sexually transmitted diseases, especially like gonorrhea and chlamydia, can lead to pelvic inflammatory disease and do damage to the tubes. So educating our young women on the importance of abstinence, because that can be a lost thought. You know, we're quick to say condom use, which yes, you want to practice safe sex, but trying to encourage them, you know, save yourself. Um, exactly. Really mm-hmm. are, um, you know, risk factors in, in doing this. Um, so those would be the two big things that I think we can do to, to help. But like I said, you can be um, 
a heavy duty smoker 40 years old and get pregnant, no problem. You know, it's kind of like the the 40 year old jogger who drops dead from a heart attack who's been otherwise healthy. So it won't necessarily ensure that you don't have any problems, but you aren't adding on additional things that could potentially impact your fertility. Got it, for sure. And so um, I haven't shared with my listeners, but, you know, my own personal story, if I'm um, the term and you correct me if I'm wrong, was um, premature ovarian failure, where I believe is just what you said, that I lost eggs much quicker than what I was supposed to. So just can you speak to what um, what my condition is? Yes. Premature ovarian failure. Again, nothing you did, nothing you didn't do leads to that. For some reason, these women lose eggs at a quicker rate or they're not born with enough. I mean, we don't know, but basically what happens is that they become menopausal at much earlier than the expected time. Now, obviously there are genetic disorders that can predispose to that, chromosomal disorders, but I don't want to give a percent, but I would say the majority of the time it's just... um, you know, idiopathic, meaning we don't know what what causes it. So the problem is you'll have a 30-year-old, say, who's been trying to conceive, um, and she comes into the office with her um, husband, and we do the testing, and she's like, well, you know, I haven't had a period in two years. We're thinking, okay, maybe somebody who doesn't ovulate on a regular basis. But when you start looking at their ovarian reserve, you find that it's very low, and their numbers are similar to the someone who is menopausal. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, that person has run out of eggs early. So right. not only an issue as far then as them not being able to get pregnant using their own eggs, because every now and then, and it's rare, somebody can have spontaneous resumption of ovulation, but you can't predict it. And again, it's very rare. Mm-hmm. Um, But we also have to think about because these women are losing estrogen so early, other issues, you know, the other things that happen with menopause, such as bone loss, such as um, vaginal dryness, decreased libido. So a lot of the times in women with premature ovarian failure, we now are treating them as they're menopausal and having to do things like hormone replacement therapy um, to help them, you know, continue with their with their lives. Right, exactly. And, you know, just kind of circling back to a question before, like my own personal experience was that I was having heavy, heavy cycles. Um, I was having cycles often. Um, They were very uncomfortable. And so I've always wondered, was that a sign that doctors missed of what was actually the underlying condition with me? You know, again, impossible to say because a lot of women who have heavy bleed or what we call functional uterine I mean, it's because they're not ovulating on a regular basis, but that doesn't mean that they're predisposed to develop premature failure. Because sometimes fibroids, it could be polyps, or there are just some women who unfortunately have very heavy bleeding with no, you know, with nothing else being, uh, with without us being able to diagnose anything else. So, um, you know, it's not so much that you would miss it, but the focus at that point is on, okay, why is this person bleeding? What can we do to stop them from bleeding? Right. And, you know, like, for did consider um, trying to look into some of the fertility options. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just a lot for me to emotionally process. Oh, yes. <laughs> and so I know that there are many, many options, but can you speak to, you know, starting with something as simple as Clomid and, you know, other things to med you know, we just using medicine all the way to using donor eggs and things of that sure. nature. Sure, sure. If you have someone, you know, who is younger and we're going to call younger, say under 35, you know, who has been trying and is not getting pregnant, obviously you're going to do the whole battery of tests um, to figure out which modality is best for them. Clomid or letrozole, those are oral medications that um, the patient takes for five days. You're monitoring the development of the size of the follicle because remember, an egg is microscopic. You can't see it, but on the ovary, you can see a follicle. Um, And so we're monitoring the development of that. And then when they get ready to ovulate, you can either have intercourse or you can have um, intrauterine insemination, which is where we're taking the um, husband sperm or donor sperm sometimes Um, and preparing it, meaning separating the sperm from the seminal fluid and injecting that sperm into the uterus. Now, other um, times, some people may just have intrauterine insemination because unfortunately, like in cases of morbid obesity, where physically intercourse is not possible, um, those couples sometimes... uh, resort to intrauterine insemination just because from a mechanical standpoint, um, intercourse is not really occurring in the vagina um, for for whatever reason. Then other medications, we then can go on to the injectable medication, which are called the gonadotropin. And with these medications, the patients have to be monitored much more closely because your risk of complications such as hyperstimulation, which is where the ovaries can get very large, um, and some rupture or twist. Um, patients can do this along with insemination, or we can move into in vitro fertilization, where basically fertilization or the sperm meeting the, meeting the egg is occurring in the laboratory. Now, with in vitro, you can use donor egg, or you can use donor sperm, or you can use both. Even beyond that, you have embryo adoption. So you may have had who underwent in vitro, they were successful, but they've had all the children that they want and they don't want to discard the embryos. So often they'll donate them to a bank. Um, And so a couple will come along and if they, for some reason, are interested in embryo adoption, um, they will you know, look through the list of available embryos and kind of gives a description, you know, the, the parents you know, their heritage and any known familial diseases. Um, And then if they decide that they want to pursue it, um, then in uh, cooperation with the bank, they can have that embryo transferred to the female partner. And uh, then they go on to um, conceive and and have a child. Dr. King, that's a lot. Oh, yeah. It's, It's a lot. How do you help, guide, recommend women through that process? Like what, 
how do they sift through to make that decision? Again, it's all going to depend on where they are. I mean, if it's a younger person whose tubes are open and the husband's sperm is normal, you know, you're going to start simple. You're going to start, you know, with, with maybe even with just insemination. But as the person ages and time is not on their side, you will tend to recommend to be more aggressive earlier. Mm-hmm. One of the things that um, briefly we, we had talked about um, prior to the podcast was what about women over 40? You know, oftentimes, not only women over 40, but even the younger ones, I often remind people that just because you give birth, that does not make you a mother. Yes, physiologically, you have given birth, and by definition, that makes you a mother. But especially in a lot of minority communities, it may have been Big Mom, may have been Suthia, you know, who actually swooped in and raised that child. So mm-hmm. we often have to think about fostering and adoption as options. And I, I often tell my clients, you know, I'm good at what I do, my God. So I can see <laughs> that this will work. And sometimes I tell them to think about these other options because for the most part, they're guaranteed. I mean, yes, we all know about adoptions that have gone so wrong and I mean, so much money has been spent. But depending upon the person and where they are and their finances, sometimes, I mean, I think it's a really good it's a really good option especially if you've got somebody who's got chronic medical conditions the pregnancy is going to be really complicated you know it it may be a good option unfortunately right. people who are like no it has to have my genes and you know so forth so that's that's not an option for them but you know you you really have to ask yourself if you're in that situation if you're over 40 what is the definition of a mother for sure. And you're speaking, uh, you know, directly to my heart now because I mean, I, I made the decision to not um, look into fertility options for me mm-hmm. to adopt. And it has been the best thing that I personally could have ever done. Exactly. And so I 100% agree. Because but you're, I, into the lives those, you're pouring into the lives of those children who may not have otherwise had, you know, the opportunity that, that you provide. Exactly. So earlier when you said 400,000 eggs, my mouth dropped for a while. And now that you're talking about adoption, I'm just smiling. So, (laughs) oh, good. (laughs) So I did hear you speak about finances. Like I know the price will range depending on what procedure you're um, pursuing. But what are we talking about um, in a general range when it comes to fertility options? I mean, if you start with Clomid or Letrozole, which are the oral medications, I mean, you're talking perhaps $5 a pill. Um, And depending if you're taking one uh, a day or if you're taking three a day. So say maximum you're taking three pills a day, you're talking about $25 a day times five, so $125 if it's just that. But again, now there are the ultrasounds that go along with it. Um, depending upon how many ultrasounds you have. And then if you have the insemination, so you're probably looking maybe around with everything, a thousand maybe, you know, for the entire cycle. And that may be on the high side. Mm-hmm. Now, when you get into in vitro, 
because the medications are very expensive. The gonadotropin that we talked about with in vitro, you're talking anywhere from $3,000 to $10,000 for the medication alone. You said three to 10000 for the medications? Right. Depending mm-hmm. on how much medicine the individual needs. So for in vitro, you're looking anywhere probably from fifteen dollars to $25,000 using your own eggs. And now is insurance covering a portion, none, all? How does that work? Unfortunately, in, it all varies from um, person to person because not all insurances cover it. There are a few states like Massachusetts where coverage is mandatory, but here in Texas, it is not mandatory. So you have patients that have absolutely no coverage all the way to patients who have great coverage. Um, But a lot of times, even with coverage, they'll have caps on the amount um, that the insurance company is is willing to pay. Mm -hmm. So just needless to say, you need some kind of stockpile or reserve of your own cash likely to go towards this. Right. Mm -hmm. Some programs do have financing programs, but it's usually not the program itself. It's like a third party um, payer. Um, Some programs have guarantees where that, you know, you'll pay cycles and if you don't get pregnant those three cycles grow um you'll get a portion of the money back so there there are a lot of different options um mm-hmm. got it and you know i'm sure like you spoke details about the procedure and it's definitely a science to it and it's this human assistance with conception and oh yeah many women or their husbands or just you know, families have a lot to say and different opinions oh. on that. <laughs> so what is your personal and professional, you know, take on the whole assistance with conception? You know, again, like I said, we're good at what we do, but I always say only God has the glue to make. And I'm, I'm saying that in the sense of, you know, yes, you can do the prettiest embryo transfer and that patient doesn't conceive or it can be a difficult transfer where, you know, it takes you two, five minutes to actually get the catheter into the uterus and inject the embryo. And, you know, it may not have been the highest quality embryo and that person gets pregnant. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean. We can, we can do what we do, but God still has to say yes. And I don't know how he determines yeses and the no's because... I'm not, I'm not God. And, <laughs> and it's clear his ways are not my ways and we will never understand all of it. Um, but I think that's, that's how it is. Not I think, but that's how it is in life. I mean, why is it that um, you can have two gifted athletes and one becomes the great LeBron. I'll just use LeBron as an example of a player. And then his teammate who was just as good never makes it. Right. You know, so it's it's hard to remind people of these things because it's such an emotionally charged issue. Um, you know, and as as someone with children, I understand, although I sometimes joke, you think you want until they get 12, then you want to give them back. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, I mean, that's the thing I often tell people, and some people don't want to hear it, and I understand and I respect that, but I, I know that I am human and have limited power. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yes, it's a hard pill to swallow, but you know, it, it's also a hard pill to swallow. Like you said, that a professional athlete is paid millions of doctors, but our teachers who we need, especially during this homeschooling time and we're really appreciating them, <laughs> Lord. you know, are, are paid what? 50, 60,000. Right. But mm-hmm. these guys are making hundreds of millions in a seven year contract. And again, I'm not poo pooing the professional athletes. I'm not saying I'm just showing how disparities in life and that life isn't always fair. But mm. we have to try and make the best of it. Exactly. Good analogy. Thank you for that. And, you know, I've had several friends that have looked into or actually opted to go ahead with like freezing their eggs. Yes. Um, because they are not at the place for whatever reason that they want to have kids. Most of the time it's because they haven't found a suitable mate. Right. So can you speak to, you know, what that process is? Yes. That I think is a very good option. Again, usually preferably for women under 35 because you want to try and freeze your eggs when they're a, a better quality, so to speak. Um, but that process basically involves taking the medication, stimulating the ovaries so that multiple eggs are maturing at the same time. And then a retrieval is done. And then those eggs are frozen and they basically stay frozen until you're ready to, to use them. And egg free come a long way. Um, here we go. I won't say my age, but back when I started, <laughs> it was just a thought. And the biggest thing was um, trying to find a uh, something that could freeze the eggs without making them crack because the egg is predominantly water. Well, the advances that the, uh, the people in the lab, the andrologists, the embryologists have done is just amazing. So that, I mean, this is actually really viable option where the eggs are frozen and effectively thawed and able to be used um, for conception. Wow. And you said that the recommendation is to do it prior to 35. Ideally, it would be before 35. Mm -hmm. Because again, just statistically speaking, you know, the quality of the eggs under the age of 35 is better than the quality after 35. Okay. So last question for women fertility options, what, mm-hmm. what's the, the recommendations and just things to think about and what would you give them as just words of encouragement? Okay. First thing you want to make sure that you're actively trying. And I say that because, well, we have sex once a week. Okay. That's not really actively trying. Dr. King, that's not actively trying? No, (laughs) (laughs) ma'am. So give me what's actively. You're making me tired. Uh, I'm sorry. Hey, I'm older than you, so I'm tired. (laughs) Actively trying means that during that fertility window or the time of ovulation, which in most women that are having regular predictable menstrual cycles, is going to be between day 10 and day 18. And the way you count days, the first day of bleeding is day one. Some people mm-hmm. go, the first day of spotting, is that my, I mean, just, just be consistent with whatever you're going to call day one. And so days 10 through 18, you want to be having intercourse every other day. Every now, other day. 
Well, because if you do that, you don't have to use one of the ovulation predictor kits because my personal take sometimes when people are using the ovulation predictor kits, oh my God, it's blue. It means I'm going to ovulate. You need to get home right now. We have to do this right now. <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of stressful. Um, you know, well, right now, <laughs> babe, you know, I'm working. Um, you know, and then, you know, he comes up, okay, we need to have sex right now. Oh, that's, you know, that's, I think that can be stressful, especially remember, you can be trying for up to a year. 80% of people will conceive within a year of trying, again, under the age of 35. So yes, mm-hmm. the ovulation predictor kits, but I think it's a little bit more spontaneous, even though, yes, okay, this is the week on the calendar, you know, where we're going to be having sex. Um, but that's what I mean by regular active intercourse. So that's, that's the first place you want to start. And then if you've been trying for a year or if it's someone who has, you know, irregular cycles that are not predictable, well, they don't need to wait a year, usually after six months. Go and see your, um, you know, reproductive endocrinologist and then he or she will begin to do the, the workup, what we call, you know, working her up, looking for female factors and looking for male factors. So, I mean, when you come, you know, we'll check your thyroid, um, We'll look at what your ovarian reserve is. We um, check for the status of your tubes to make sure that they're both open. You look at the uterus to make sure there are no fibroids or um, polyps or masses inside the uterus. Um, If there's a history of miscarriages, there's also um, two or more first trimester or just two or more miscarriages in general. There's a different workup that's done. And then for the males, um, you wanna do a semen analysis um, because some people think, well, I don't have a problem having sex. It's not about that. This is a microscopic diagnosis. And oftentimes people will be like, well, I have five kids, so I know it's not me. It's got to be her or vice versa. You don't know that because, again, this is microscopic. Mm-hmm. So both partners really need to be on board that this is something that we're going to do and realize that it's stressful because if one partner is kind of not really into this, so to speak, you know, that's what she wants. That's going to cause more strife in the, uh, or more stress in the relationship. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So do you like um, recommend that women like talk to, I don't know, like a counselor or go to a support group or through this process? Or what are some of those, I guess, yes. emotional yes. things that you would recommend? I mean, definitely, if you don't have a support group or a counselor, and there are some studies to show that even acupuncture has been helpful in increasing the success rate, and we, mm-hmm. because it helps to relieve the, the stress. So you definitely want to have um, a partner in this, so to speak. And it could be, you know, a good friend, it could be a relative, or it could be, you know, a professional counselor. Yeah, we just got schooled. I mean, didn't you feel like you were sitting in the middle of a college, like biology class or something? Now she is so smart. Like, I think I'm pretty smart, but when you meet someone who literally helps to make babies, to make life, you're just in awe. And I was like, you is kind, you is smart, you is important. But remember that if you want to continue the conversation with me on a more personal level, 
hop on over to my YouTube channel, just Myra Rollins. And um, this week I'm talking about my own personal infertility journey and just my um, my thoughts, my process, what me and my husband decided and why. So if you want all the deets on me and um, hopefully some things to give you some clarity or encouragement on your own journey, hop on over to the YouTube channel. Also, sign up for the Facebook group because everything that we talk about on the podcast, we layer it throughout the week with resources. So every day this week, I'll be giving you some more resources on infertility and fertility options. So make sure to check in on that Facebook page and pass it around and invite some friends. And always remember, ladies, that getting older with style and grace, it ain't easy, but somebody has to do it. So why not us and why not you? And maybe even more importantly, you can choose to make it a good day today.